Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 16, 17. I'm just going to read this beginning part. It says, and I will ask the Father. This is Jesus talking. It says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. I mean, there's God, our helper. There's Jesus who right now is helping these people. And he says, tell you what, if that's not good enough and it's probably not, I'm going to actually ask the Father to give you another helper to be with you forever. Because sometimes that 1-800-HELPLINE, nobody answers, right? It's after hours, three o'clock in the morning, and you need some answers from God. Your septic alarm's going off. Your husband's off hunting, having a, a merry time with his friends, right? Anybody who found yourself in that situation? I don't know what to do. And there's a helper who will be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you tonight for your people. Thank you for this series that we're in as a family. We're talking about the things that make us, us. The things that bring the flavor to our church family. Those values, and this being a key one, Lord, your spirit is our source. And so tonight, I'm asking for your touch. Help me to communicate this truth to your people so that here at the end of my message, we can, we can lean forward into some situations that we've been concerned about, that we felt ineffective about, and trust God that we're partnering with the greatest helper known to mankind, the spirit of the living God. And so I pray for your touch, for your people in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand before you're seated. And high five the person next to you. And let me just jump right in. And again, I apologize, guys, for not keeping my brain on straight. So uh, the title of my message, I think I've already given it to you, is The Spirit is Our Source. Um, I had a, a pretty remarkable situation happen for the better here not too long ago. And uh, I'm building retaining walls on, my, on our, our property at home. We have a backyard that dives off down into a creek, and it's really not usable because of the slope. And I got it in my mind that, well, I'll just cut into it and build retaining walls and make layers so that you can drop down and have a patio down here and drop down here. And um, it's the first time I've ever owned acreage, and I didn't realize that though I have built some retaining walls before, when three or four pallets of rock show up to the house or block shows up to the house, I've done that. And so I thought, well, I'll just go ahead and do that here. And so I think I'm on pallet number 40 for building my retaining walls. And there's a thing that you do as you're building a wall, you stagger blocks in half section every next layer so that the cracks in the blocks don't all line up. You want strength, so you overlap, overlap the blocks halfway. But you come to the end of a course of blocks and you actually need to cut a block. And I've seen online where some people did this and I didn't really think it through and didn't, I'm, I'm, I'm one who loves to go out and buy a tool if, if, if they have one for what I need, but I didn't think this through. And I discovered the art of scoring block. Now you might not ever use this, so this is for free. But if you ever want to break a block in half, you can do something called scoring it. You take the block, it's cement, you lay it on the ground, you measure out where you want to break it in half, and you can pull out a screwdriver, and you can take a, um, a uh, ruler or whatever and begin to scratch a straight line in the block. And it doesn't go in very far, but it makes a line. There's like an impression into the cement. You flip it up on its side, and you do it there, and then you flip it up again, and you keep doing it on the back side and the next side. So ultimately, then you've got this scratch that goes all around the block. 
Now, what I'm describing took me a couple seconds. It takes a little bit longer to do what I'm describing. You're trying to, you know, get your screwdriver to penetrate a little bit of that concrete. And so when you're done, you pull out a hammer and you don't hit the block hard as to, to break the surface, but you begin to tap on the block. And believe it or not, tapping on the block, flipping it over, tapping on the block, there comes a moment where the tone of the hammer hit changes and all of a sudden, like magic, the block just breaks. Now, it doesn't break as nice as I'd like it to break. It's a little bit, you know, rugged, and, you know, you try to hide that and chip some pieces off. But in building my retaining wall, I was breaking block that way. And every single block took about 20 minutes to do. And if I needed something cut at a crazy angle, oh, my gosh, it was insane. I don't know how many times I've done this, and it breaks incorrectly. And so as you can imagine, looking at the, all these pallets of, there's like 48, uh, I think it's 48 blocks on a pallet. Multiply that by about 20, okay? And every block is 60 pounds, and I'm carrying it down, you know, my backyard, down to the next level that I've created, and over here, and then trying to cut it, and then it doesn't break correctly, so now i got to do it all over again. Then it found out we have a landscaper in our church, and got talking with him, and wouldn't you know, they make a saw for this thing. And so I worked out a deal for an old saw of his, and I had an old bike rack, and we did this trade. And I'm telling you, like, one of the greatest moments in life is for me to fire this sucker up. And I'm telling you what, I felt like a, a man. Like, I always feel like a man, but I felt like extra man. Like there was a lot of man packed into this man. And I fired that thing up, and I'm sorry I didn't have safety goggles or ear protection. I fired that up, and I dropped my new power saw that's a little bit older, but dropped it on the line. And I just sawed a straight line right down through where I had drawn, and it's spraying all this mortar up in my face. And I've got a strip running down my entire body like a racing stripe of just cement shavings. And I flipped that block over, and I cut it. And in about 25 seconds, I had done what would take me a half an hour. It was the most, uh, some of you are like, you didn't know they made one of those? No, I didn't know. You weren't there to tell me. So what's awesome now, I, I did, I mean, I was texting Jay blow by blow of me using the saw the very first day. I'm like, look at this block I cut. This man's trying to run a company, and I'm sending him my little selfies. Here's me cutting a block. Woo! And so I'm pretty excited about that whole process. And it's a really good description of how we try to navigate through life. We try to step into situations and circumstances and the things that we face, and some are just daily experiences, and then others are challenging. And again, we step up with our little screwdriver, and we try to draw straight lines and do the best that we can, and we're tapping, 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 and trying to work through this relationship and trying to parent our kids and trying to push the right buttons so they don't act like that, but they also do this, and we're tapping, 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 and sometimes our tapping breaks it wrong, and we have to start over, and life just seems to be like a series of this. And for me, as a teenager growing up, even though I believed in God, it didn't seem like there was anything but this scratching the blocks and trying to break them in half, and maybe I get accepted into the school, maybe I get a good grade, maybe people like me, maybe things work out. But I'll never forget being 18 years old and walking into that church for the first time. Holy smokes. Where these people were doing nutty stuff like you guys raising their hands and what is all that about? What are these people doing? But there's a look on their face as they sang the songs that they actually knew this God that they were singing to. And it created something happening in the room for me that grabbed onto something I didn't even know was on the inside and began to like wind blowing across for the first time hitting the sail of a sailboat like kept catching me inside 
and bringing something to life that had been dead my whole life. To understand that the God of the universe has sent his son to be able to be my helper. And not just my helper, but to send his spirit into my experience so that everything I face, I've got a partner in life who's as amazing as my wife is and my partner, my helper for life, and I'm her helper, that there are certain things she cannot do and certain things I cannot do for her, but I ha- we both have a helper helper who is with us at all times, no matter what we face, helping us to make up the difference between where our limitations end and where his unlimited amazing power extends to. And we've relied on that over and over and over. And here in our, in our church family, everything that we do, we see the Holy Spirit as our source. And I want to run you down through just a quick, um, by the way, the, the QR code that's up here. Some of you asked me for my notes. I never get to most of it. There's a million scriptures. I get to point one. I got 17 points. And so many of you asked me for my notes. So I'm going to start doing this. So if you took out your camera and you took a shot of that, you'd get all my notes. You'd be like, whoa, you like you didn't get to any of this stuff. I apologize. So you can study on your own. But that being said, I want to walk you through just a quick understanding of the Holy Spirit's function in the Bible. Just real quick. Is that okay? I want to give you from a beginning to today so that you'll understand that this, the Holy Spirit being our source, was something that was intended in the beginning, then was lost, but is now available, but is not automatic. You have a helper, but you have to engage this helper. You know what, I, I remember being a kid sitting out in the garage as, since I, as, as, young, as young as I can remember, sitting out in the garage of my dad's house, my grandparents' house, sitting behind the wheel of a car. I don't know what's wrong with this generation. They don't want to get their license uh, like five seconds after they turn 16. You guys, I mean, that was like freedom for us in my generation. So at, as eight-year-old, I'd sit in the car and dream, and I'd make all the motions. But here's the thing is, The spirit being our source requires more than me pretending or hoping it just happens. It is a literal shift in our day that we make in order to experience the spirit resourcing whatever needs we have. So let me take you really quick through this, uh, just a real quick Bible overview. Number one, when Adam was formed by God out of the dust of the earth and he became the form of a man, he did not become a living being until God the Father walked up to him, and the Bible says God (laughs) exhaled. Hopefully it sounded more healthy than that. Um, God exhaled into the nostrils of the man's body, and that air, also known as pneuma, which is also translated as spirit, came out of the breath of God and entered into man's body. And the moment that happened, man became a living being, much more alive than you've ever experienced. Because the truth is, you and I, it's not just a movie. We are actually the walking dead. It's not about a virus, but you and I don't experience the true life that God intended. Adam was fully alive. He was alive physically in ways and able to do things you can't even imagine. Internally, he was also a living being. His emotions weren't up and down. He was dialed in at all times. His mind was sharp. He was not using 5% of his brain like like you and 3% like me. He was functioning at 100% because he had the spirit of God within him. There's also another thing that was very true about him is the moment he was created, he was fully alive in his spirit. Now, I'm going to describe a concept so that you understand. How many of you understand that you have a spirit? Okay, 
How many of you understand that God has his spirit, the Holy Spirit, him? Don't get confused between the two, but let me just for a second describe how this works. Your spirit is designed to connect you directly to God. And the Holy Spirit is God, and your spirit meshes with the Holy Spirit. And much like wind would hit the sail of a boat and begin to push it and give it strength in a direction. How many of you know without wind, a sailboat's not going anyplace? And yet a boat that's been designed to sail, as its sail comes out and catches the wind, that wind enters the sail, and the combination of the two begin to push this thing in directions in places it couldn't go on its own. So when Adam inhaled and had the Spirit of God within him, the Spirit of God, the wind, connected with the sail, man's spirit, and began to propel him in the area direction that God wanted him to go. Adam didn't ever wake up in the morning and say, hmm, I wonder what God wants me to do today. He was fully alive. And so his spirit, engaging with God's spirit, allowed him to fulfill everything that God wanted him to do. And he was helped, he was empowered because he was fully spiritually alive. But we know as we study scripture not too far after that, and guys, I lost this somehow, Dave, so you have to take me to the next slide. Um, we understand that, I'll just read it from my notes here while he gets it. The, the Holy Spirit, once Adam sinned, the Holy Spirit was evicted from his spirit. He begins to die. It's like that the wind leaks out. It's actually what really happens is as Adam sins, his sail begins to shrivel. And the wind is trying to blow, but the sail has shriveled and now can't be propelled by the wind. And so Adam, in dying, he dies, starts to die physically. He starts to die emotionally. All of a sudden, he's experiencing fear. He's blaming his wife. He thinks he's naked. He's been naked the whole time, but now he feels insecure. He's dying emotionally. And, you know, just so that you know, when we struggle emotionally, it's because, you know, we're dying. And it's why it's important to be plugged into the Holy Spirit and allow the wind to breathe across us to bring that life. And so as that sail began to shrivel up, Man began to die, and you can read about that, Genesis 6, 3, and a couple of other places there. Um, let's see if this will work. Dave, you'll have to probably carry me the whole rest of the way. I apologize. This was your night off. Give Dave a hand. Thank you, Dave. See? Dave is like the Holy Spirit for me right now. I've hit my limitation, and I need some help, and so he's going to take over. Thanks for being a great illustration, Dave. you got a great hair. I just want to, you have an amazing hairdo. Thank you very much. All right. So after this point, guess what happens? Every person who's born, they're born with their sail shrunk and unfurled. They're born spiritually dead. In fact, as you read Ephesians, it uses this, this wording. It says, and you, were, and you were dead in your trespasses and sin. You were born with a dead spirit. And the Holy Spirit's trying to breathe on you and get your attention but it's like a sail that's crushed. It cannot catch the wind. In fact, the book of 1 Corinthians goes on to describe, even if you tried to find God, because your spirit's all crunched up like this, you wander around, try to figure it out, but because it's not catching the wind, you're not able to arrive at good, proper destinations. Next slide, though, reveals that the Holy Spirit doesn't stop breathing. And so the Holy Spirit has been breathing across your life in different circumstances and situations since the moment you were born. 
trying to catch just a corner of that sail that's crumpled up inside of you. And I can look back in my life and remember the time I went to Christian preschool as a little boy. And I remember the teacher being so excited and wanting to talk to my mom. And I look back and I think I prayed the sinner's prayer for the first time when I was about five years old. I didn't know what it was. But now the amazing thing, that, that little air, that wind catching that sail, I grew up, even as a teenager, praying. Now, praying for completely wrong things, I can assure you. Lord, help that girl to really like me. <laughs> you might need to blind her. I pray God. Come on. But there was something that had, had been just caught a little bit of wind, and so I had a respect for God. But it wasn't until that, really, that first time walking into a church like ours where people, the, the scripture Trisha read tonight said to come into God's presence. What is God's presence? It's the Spirit of God. God the Father is on his throne. Where is Jesus right now? The Bible says at the right hand of the Father. But when we experience the presence of God, who is that? It's the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, according to that, what she read to you, come into his presence with what? Singing. That was the verse that we read. I don't know how people get your attention at your house. I know one thing, at my house, the doorbell don't mean nothing. It means that the UPS guy is dropping something off and don't bother getting up. But now my grandsons realize when they come over to the house that that one push of the button is not the cue. It's like push it 400 times and yell, Grandma! And all of a sudden they can hear, Hey! Now, as they come through the door, I say to them, Hey, you came to my house. And Eldon looks me in the eye and says, I haven't come to your house. I came to Grandma's house because that's Grandma's house. All that to say is they know how to get our attention so that we can come into one another's presence. I, I'm not a great singer, and to be quite honest with you, I don't love to sing, but the reason why I sing is because when I sing, it unlocks the door. I'm just telling you, for those of you who don't feel comfortable singing, you've got to discover this truth, that just standing there will not shift yourself into gear. You will not move into the source that's available to you. You have to use the prescription. One of it's singing. Some of it's raising your hands. The Bible actually says, come into God's presence with singing, with rejoicing, with thanksgiving. And I promise you, at the end of my message, we're going to take a few minutes to do that. And you just begin to stand there. You might feel dry. You might feel tired. You might feel mad at God like he's left you somewheres. Truth is, he didn't leave you anywheres. You left him. And things happen in life, and we get bitter, we get mad, and we walk away from God. And the thing is, it's, he is just a syllable away. It's amazing to me to just be able to, Lord, I love you. And man, it's like, boom, those iron gates open back up. And I want to challenge you tonight, for those of you who maybe are not sure about this Christianity thing, not sure about a relationship with God, I'm telling you what, you just lean in, just say his name. And all of a sudden, his presence becomes tangible. The Spirit of God is always breathing, and it's in settings like this. It's why we have everybody sing. You know, Abby's really not a mean person. She's one of the nicest people I've ever met. She's not a harasser. I don't think that she has ever used sarcasm in her entire life. I don't think. I know her dad definitely has, but I think she got a little bit, well, her mom's kind of, well, yeah, is she sarcastic? She's never been that way to me. But, I mean, when she says, hey, Lift up your hands. Do you really think that really, what's her agenda? 
when the worship team is like, hey, sing this with us. Hey, come on, raise your hands. Come on. And when we start praying, we're like, hey, pray out loud. We just want to see if you will comply. We're not the federal government here, okay? We're actually... (laughs) Oh, you got political tonight. Oh, you have no idea. Um, (laughs) That was on a good track. Let me get back on it. We're actually after your great outcome because here's what we know. If we can get you to sing, that curtain's going to open up. In fact, you'll be like, I don't even know these woods. I think I'll try it out. And all of a sudden, you'll be like, whoa, this like took me into a door that I didn't even know was there. You'll find yourself stepping into the tabernacle of the creator right here in this room. And you'll discover that you can, by raising your hands, have access to God. And then all that he has available to your life. That spirit is always breathing. Uh, Next slide. And I was supposed to finish this up. This would probably be my whole message here. Um, The moment that you actually say yes. And for me, it was was April 19, oh my gosh, 1985. Mm. I think it was 85, yeah. It's a long time ago. Anybody got a calculator? We could figure out how long ago that is. Um, I just prayed really simply. I said, Lord, I know that you're real. I can feel something I've never felt before. I want you to be my Lord. If you're real, I want to spend the rest of my life walking with you. there's, There's more here accessible to me. And in just simply praying that prayer, here's the amazing thing. Just like Adam, when God went, and Adam became a living being, all of heaven went, And the Spirit of God came into me. And to you, the moment you said, yes, be my God. And onboarded into your life is the Holy Spirit, always present and bringing all that he has available. Now, there's something amazing about this. This is why the book of John chapter 3 talks about being born again. Because you were born the first time dead. As I already explained, your sail was all crumpled up. But when that wind of God breathes across you and asks you, you want to follow me? And you say, yes, boom, your sail goes up. And now you're catching the wind of God. And he's going to carry you to all the best destinations for your life, in your marriage, in your finances, in your career, your hopes, dreams, your hurts, teach you how to, how to overcome things. There's some things that the med- I, I will tell you this, there are things that the doctors, and I love doctors, and I love mathematicians, but God does supernatural math, and he does supernatural biology, and there's things that you've been told that you would never experience that God will touch one touch of your body, and that wind that he breathes into your sail will propel you to miraculous places. We in our church family, we've been so fortunate to believe God for that moment where people have had cancer. We have prayed, and they have gone back to the doctor. And yes, doctors could do surgery. I don't know about you, though. I'm not a fan. I, I, you know, if I have to, I will. But something about praying and the wind bringing you to a place of healing. And we've seen that. Watching God do the miraculous. Uh, next slide is really important for you to understand, though. The world that we live in will constantly drain the wind from your sail. Not because you're a bad person. But that's the reality. You'll hear me say it this way often. Everything in this world will fight to keep you from all the good things that God has for you. It just will. Just driving down the road, those people in the left lane that don't realize that is for passing, not for travel. Get over to the right. And that's that, 
And I love to teach him a lesson when I drive by and I accelerate real hard. And, and my wife looks over at me. You think they're learning something? I don't care. I think they are. Those types of things drain us. And we just wake up feeling lousy. How many of you on the way here, you're like, I don't know, I'm not really feeling it tonight. Anybody? No, none of you. There was a couple of you, yeah. But there's something about like when you raise your hands, you begin to say, Lord, I love you. I honor you in this place. I worship you. That somehow that wind just, I don't know, man, it just hits your sail. And next thing you know, you walk back out and you're like, man, today is the day that the Lord has made. He's going to give me success. I can navigate this. I can make my way through. We press on through. Okay, so with that understanding in our environment that we constantly need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit, you need to understand that, that that refilling is a daily process. And that's why we gather and worship. That's why we gather and pray. That's why we gather and really motivate you to actually do something that is a prescriptive to stepping in to the presence of God, stirring what you're really doing. The Spirit of God is within you. We don't need to pray so the heavens hear us. The Spirit of God is within you, but you've allowed the air to leak out of the sail, and your sail is basically all crumpled up. And by worship, by prayer, by hearing the Word of God, by listening, suddenly you're, un you're opening up that sail and so that the, oh, God is here, and it begins to push you in better directions in your life. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.